Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello and welcome to All Stats Aren't We, a podcast in which Leeds fans cast their combined eye over going down Ellen Road, giving scrutiny to the underlying statistics and tactical footings at work at Leeds United. I'm Tom Oldson and today I'm joined by the lovely Martin Riley. Martin, how are you? Well, as I've just spoken before I'm starting the pod, I am absolutely knackered. Um, I've been working from half past nine this morning right up until just before I joined this call with you, so I've literally gone straight from uh, near... 11 hour shift straight into doing this so yeah i'm doing the bielsa schedule at the moment just keeping myself my fitness levels up and i'll say this while i've got a cigarette in my hand (laughs) (laughs) but yes whatever keeps you going that's all that matters (laughs) indeed i guess you have because you've been working then you've not had a chance to have your tea no i haven't i'll be eating something after i've um, done this so yes yeah i'm sure the fans will be disappointed not to know what you're eating tonight (laughs) but maybe you can fill us in next week Yes, I will, I will indeed. I will report back next week, but I'm not even sure what I'm going to have. How about you? How are you, Tom? I'm all right, yeah. I've, I've had a pretty busy few days of work as well. Not not as busy as you. Like I, I started at half eight this morning and finished at half five like a normal person, but, which just sounds all, all right. But yeah, it's just... Um, didn't really. I found myself a bit lost at the weekend, to be honest, without football, which like makes makes me feel a bit a bit sad. Like I tried to watch England, I was like, "This is fucking rubbish, isn't it?" I didn't even give that a go. I wasn't even going to entertain it. Um, I don't watch any of the internationals until it gets to the real meat of it. Um, that's the only ones I bother with. Yeah, I watched a bit of them um, because I I watched quite a lot of other sports as well. Instead of watching like different football, I watched like a lot of tennis. So there was the U.S. Open final on the weekend, so I watched that, and then. Um, the other football, which people will probably complain about, um, American football started at the weekend, so um, which I was very excited about and watched. I spent quite a lot of time Sunday evening watching that as well, which is good. But yeah, I know I know some people gasp at the idea of watching American football, so I'll brush over that one quickly. American egg ball is what I refer to as, and yep. it's, yes, it's not a real sport, but more power to you if you enjoy it. That's what the fault matters. Yeah, cool. So. We haven't got a review pod this week, obviously, because there isn't a game to review. Uh, so we will touch on the news briefly in this one, which I guess with the lack of transfers to happen, thankfully, is the Angus Kinnear interview is probably the only sort of bit of news that we've got. Uh, Martin, you have watched this one. 
So what did you make of it, really? Yeah, well, I watched the majority of it. I, I think I missed the final 10 minutes of it. And I, largely, I, th- I thought it was all right. Um, I felt Angus a- answered some pretty tough questions. The square ball guys did question him on certain ones. They maybe could have gone a bit harder in certain ones, but I feel they did put him under a lot of pressure and he did squirm on, on a few questions, which was entertaining. <laughs> it's always good to see someone in power put under scrutiny. And I think it was a good level of scrutiny for what's happened in the past few years. Questions needed, needed to be asked and it's good to get some feedback on some of those. Uh, you can take what, what you like from it and my opinion on Angus hasn't changed much, really. Um, most people in the, his sort of position <laughs> are a certain sort of person. Uh, but although it's interesting to know that he's not a Tory. Don't believe that. Yeah, yeah. he he, he kind of said that he gets called a Tory, T-W-A-T. And he said, um, you can, we can debate about the T-W-A-T part, but I'm not a Tory. So that, that was quite entertaining props to him for that. But yeah, it kind of gave some explanations and... I also maybe thought he was fabricating certain things to make themselves look better. Like, I don't believe there's some of the things that he was mentioning about Bielsa saying that you have given these signings or I walk. Uh, that bit doesn't sound very Bielsa to me, saying that he was wanting 30, 40 million players for each position. That just doesn't ring true to me of, B- of Bielsa. Um, but yeah, that's what he said. And that's about all I can say on it, to be honest. Yeah, I've I've not watched the full interview. I've watched just more most like the clips I've seen. I feel like I've seen the, the probably the highlights, if anything. I don't really have anything more to say to on on it really un, until I've watched it fully. My only takeaway would be like I think people will interpret it in the way they want to interpret it, and that's something to keep in mind when more well, like what why is he saying what he's saying rather than taking it at face value and then fitting it to what your point of view is. That that's it's very quite a John answer from me that. Yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, I think John would be quite proud of that one. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll watch this fully at some point. I, I don't think I can watch the video of it because I think his face annoys me so much. But I'll, I'll listen to the podcast. But I think, to, to fair to the square ball guys, I think they did a good job. I, th- I think they can. there's only so hard you can probably push in one of those yeah. situations. And I guess they, they, I don't know, they have that access to the club, so I can get why they, w- they wouldn't want to push on certain issues, which is fair enough. But yeah, I think, I think Dan did a good job. No more news, and I, I literally can't think of anything. I feel like I've kind of checked out of Leeds in the last week, so something might, big might have happened, and I might have completely missed it. No, I, I can't think of anything major off the top of my head. Obviously, we've had some guys who were in some international games, but as we always reiterate in this pod, um, international football isn't real football. Um, so, yeah, I think I'm not even sure who played. I think some of the new guys were in some international games, uh, Grove and Kamara, Kamara. He was in, in action as well. And Nanto got a brief cameo in for Italy as well. So it's that should at least reassure him that he's going to get some minutes even though he has dropped down to the second tier. And it's quite a notable one for him, for Italy especially, because I believe that he's the first second tier player to play for the Italy national team since the time when I think when Juve were relegated down, I believe. Oh, really? Yeah, I, I, I could, be, could be wrong in that, but I swear I read something along those lines. So that's a nice little factoid. Yeah, well, yeah, like you say, hopefully convince him to to do a season in the Championship then. Indeed. Yeah. Who was actually the Italy manager? Because I know Mancini left, who was apparently making those demands on Nonto. So I guess he's like he's taking the Saudi money, hasn't he? Yeah, I, th- I, th- I think... Is it Spalletti now? Oh, the, yeah, yeah. The, 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 the ex-Napoli manager. Yeah, I believe so. I think it's uh, Spalletti now, yeah. 
So yeah, maybe he's he doesn't care about being in the championship like Mancini did. So let's move on to previewing the weekend's game then. So Leeds are playing away at Millwall this weekend. Um, I think it's a twelve o'clock on a Sunday kickoff, which um bit bit of a weird one. It's actually a bit annoying. I can't. I wanted to go. Can't, could go on the Saturday. Couldn't go on the Sunday. So Sky <laughs> TV can fuck off. So let's start with the analysis of the opposition as normal. Then so and looking at their recent results and form, and if anything's changed recently. So Martin, do you want to break this down for us? Yeah, sure. So the um, so far they've had two wins, a draw, and three losses. Um, the one, the most recent result was a draw against Birmingham, and before that they got a win against Stoke, and then the other win came against Middlesbrough on the opening day. And in between those, they've had a four nil loss to Reading, a one nil loss to Bristol, and a three one loss to Norwich. Uh, so not too many major. Maybe they wouldn't be expected to beat Middlesbrough, so that you could say that was a pretty decent result for them. Middlesbrough have started quite badly, though, aren't they? They're in. They're, yeah. They're, are they bottom actually at the moment, or near the bottom? I know, that, I know they're quite low down. I've not seen the table. Yeah, and they've lost quite a few key players, so I think that one maybe doesn't look as good on paper as potentially it should do. With regards to anything changing recently, it doesn't look like they've had any major tactical changes recently. They've mainly been playing uh, free at the back formations that is in the most recent game, but they have also had a 4-2-3-1 at one point. But yeah, it doesn't look like anything recently has changed. Yeah, just because we're just uh, having a look at the FB ref numbers now, and it is noticeable that they've only won on XG in one of those games. Yeah, uh, which was the Middlesbrough game, and then since then, yeah, they've been beaten on XG. Even if it's like small numbers, like just to run through, it's like zero point five four, zero point nine against, zero point five four, one point seven against, one four, one point six against, zero point five four again, which is very convenient. One point seven against. Uh, so yeah, they're not the numbers wise on like the underlines. It's not uh, anything to shout shout about, really, is it? No, not really. And um, I think in some one of the games, they maybe got a little bit lucky. I think against Birmingham. Uh, they put uh, Birmingham put up 1.7 xG, and they only put up 0.5, and they managed to scrape a draw in that. Uh, so yeah, that that was probably a deep, better result than they needed there. And also against Stoke, Stoke put up 1.6, and they had one. So you could say it's a fair result, but Stoke were closer to two, so that maybe they could have that could have, should have been a draw as well, maybe. But xG numbers by individual games not worth too much really. But yeah, yeah, cool. football's played on grass, not on spreadsheets. Exactly. <laughs> Let's talk about what happens on the graphs then. So, how do Millwall set up in possession, Martin? So they play a three-four-three or three-five-two structure. Um, they're pretty direct when they're on the ball. They like to hit a lot of long crossfield balls, especially their left centre back Murray Wallace and their left wing back Joe Bryan. Uh, they have the fourth highest amount of long passes in the. Loop league with the fifth lowest amount of shot passes in the league so that should tell you a fair bit that they do hit a fair amount of long balls as opposed to the amount of shot passes that they hit their front three stays quite narrow with their wing backs overlapping to provide a bit of width uh, their most creative player is probably Zian Fleming but we'll talk about him a bit more later um, they should also be a danger from set pieces with three six foot two plus centre backs in their back line so they've got quite a lot of height in their defence. And two of their four goals have come from set pieces. One from a direct free kick and one from a throwing. So that should strike a bit of terror into plenty of Leeds fans' hearts, I'm sure. Um, but yeah, the, it's not. I didn't notice anything too great tactically. I didn't watch a great deal of them. I just haven't had time. But of the half that I did watch of them, that didn't see anything special. Pretty direct, pretty fast to, to try to get the ball forward. Look to absorb threat. 
and get off quickly, yeah. Yeah, so you've, st- you've started touching it there, Martin. So uh, what about the out-possession stuff? Yeah, so at times they can be quite mid-blocky. Um, they, they will press quite aggressively around the halfway line. And especially sometimes, sometimes they like to press on opposition goal kicks. But they do generally retreat into a low block. So it's like kind of a mid to low block with them. And they have one of the lowest PPDAs in the league. I think it was maybe third or fourth lowest uh, PPDAs passes per defensive action, which basically just tells you how much pressure they put on their opponent when they're making passes. So that's pretty low. So we shouldn't expect anything too overly aggressive when it comes to pressing. Uh, yeah, that's about it for out of possession. Nothing too special or anything to break down. Like to uh, sit back and absorb some pressure and try to attack quickly from that. Yeah, from what I've seen as well, like they are not an exciting team, really. Are they? They don't do anything exciting, either in possession or out possession. Like if you could imagine a a, a standard low block, hit it long sort of team, it's kind of what what you're going to see here. Nothing, nothing to excite you, really. Yeah, exactly. There's a slight distinction that some most long ball sides will have a big lump up front to target their long balls to. But that they don't have that up front. Um, they've got Kevin Nisbet, who's about five foot ten, so he's not really going to min- win too many aerial balls. So that's why they tend to get the ball forward by hitting cross field passes, trying to aim for wide areas for the wing backs running forward. So that's what the general looked at to get the ball out quickly. So it's not knock it down. It's not knock it up to a target man who knocks it down. It's knock it wide to a winger who then crosses. Yeah, I guess that's why you probably see their path, their pressing numbers being so low because like quite often you'll see like if a big man knocks it down then they'll counter press quickly like actually that's kind of one of my like guilty pleasures i quite like it that sort of those um sort of teams which is like you know like the burnley like when they were they never thought it was a pressing side but i always loved like the when the way they they did that um yeah well yeah their the, the pressing was quite fun at times was burnley's under especially on the under dice uh they 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 kept they were famed as being off the low block low block football and with reason, but they did have moment, moments where they would press, so there was a bit interesting in that way, uh, as opposed to this one isn't really in that sort of way. Yeah, I think it's just the, the, probably the amount of League 2 football I watch has probably made me like <laughs> that, or forced me to like that. <laughs> yeah, that's fair, that's a false decision, like when, when we were happy when we were doing reasonably well, that before Bielsa came until we knew what real football was like. Like, yeah. was under, under, under Gary Monk and enjoying football, and then along came Bielsa and ruined football for us forever. Yeah. Back to Millwall then, so where, where do we think we could potentially hurt them? Well, they don't have a lot of pace in their back line, and especially in their wider areas. Um, that's definitely something which we can take advantage of. Um, if they do, when they are trying to attack, if we can hit, hit them quickly, that is definitely an area where we can get at them. Also, a number of their players um, aren't very good when it comes to defending against direct dribblers, um, especially Joe Bryan, who's their left wing back, who has so far challenged for 10... Uh, dribble jewels and only won three of those so like a 30% success and the, on the other side uh, what's the other guy's name Dan McNamara he's only won one out of seven direct dribbles so only a 14% success there's also a few other players dotted around who also have similarly lost a fair, fair number of dribble jewels so considering we've got quite a lot of players who are pretty good and direct when it comes to direct dribbling that could really be an area where we could focus on and get the best out of those vibesy boys. Yeah, I think the the other thing I'd probably add here is, and I'm, I'm I say this pretty much every time we play a, a free back with uh, with wing backs, is I always think there's the space to be got out between that area from like the outside centre back and the wing back. 
either like the space the space there because they vacate it, in which case like you can attack them there, or you can pull a, you can pull the whole defense across, and then there's, you can create space that way. So I think that's that's always a weakness in those formations, regardless of who the manager is or the level. So it's something I always like to see um, Leeds try and have a go at. Indeed. Uh, you hinted at this when we talked about the in possession stuff, Martin. But where do you think uh, Millwall might hurt Leeds? So it'll mainly be in in transition. Will be the main threat, which they will pose. Um, they have uh, just main, main one, one player who we should be looking out for when it comes to this sort of direct counter attacking threat, and that is through one of their wingers, uh, Zan Fleming. He plays quite narrow and often sits around the half space and can really make them tick in the final third. And um, that also covers for the next question about the players we need to look out for. So counting that as well. So we just have to be cautious and where we lose the ball and ensuring that we've got our rest defence set up so we can respond to any threats, making sure we're keeping a close eye on Fleming, who is the main one I feel who will cause us problems. Um, and we also need to keep an eye on Joe O'Brien, although defensively maybe a little bit of a liability. Um, he is pretty good at getting the ball into the box, so it is something we should be aware of with, with is him trying to cut out his crosses into the box where we can. He's probably their best crosser from wide, wider areas who we have to be aware of. Yeah, I think um, you you mentioned it in your sort of first answer as well, but about the set piece as well. That I think they've they were a fairly good set piece team, and especially like if Brian does play, um, he's obviously got a good delivery from set pieces. Like he, yes, the, the one that always comes to mind for me is that I know it was a direct free kick, but that that goal he scored against Brentford in the uh, which was it was the COVID playoff final, was it? So was it twenty twenty? Was the year we year Leeds went up? So twenty twenty one, I think so. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I just remember him scoring that direct free kick. So I know his, you know, his delivery is good. So it's always something that you just kind of want to avoid if possible. Specifically from the set piece, um, the one we should watch out most. So will probably be Jake Cooper. He's their tallest aerial threat. I think he's nearly six foot four. So he's um pretty big lad. So he should be the one who we want, who we keep a close eye on. But like I said, like I mentioned before, the other two centre backs are all are both six foot two as well. So they've got a few threats. But I think we're pretty all right when it comes to aerial threat at the moment ourselves um, and stopping corners reasonably, so that'll mean that we will concede one. So I apologise for that. Um, but yeah, we've got a few tall guys who can make sure we keep an eye on those, don't get too handsy with them, and we should be able to do well with that set-piece threat, I think, but it's obviously something to be aware of at the same time. And cause we, yeah, we've kind of touched on the players to look out for as well. I think the only other player I'd mentioned would be uh, Nisbet, like you've said, I think. He scored, I think he's, I know he's only scored two goals, but I think he is their top scorer this year. And if you just look at his underlyings, he's there. I think he's top for their like um, XG and non-penalty XG as well. So yeah, so someone to look out for. I think Dan actually mentioned it in our group chat as well, that he's he's the one that he was looking out for as well. So yeah, probably also Fleming, Nisbet and Brian on those, although the three probably, unless there's anyone else to add. I think for anyone else, but yeah, the, that Nisbet, he did do, Pretty well in a few of the seasons in the Scottish League as well. Um, he had twelve goals from only sixteen starts last season, so that's pretty good going. And he's also scored more than ten in two other seasons in, in Scotland, so he, he can definitely find the back of the net. We'll have to keep an eye on him. Predicted lineup then. So um, I'm not going to pretend to know a lot about Millwall, but I've had a look at the last two um, lineups, and they played the same formation in both. And they played the same, 10 of the same 11 players. The only difference was that Brian didn't play one of the games. And I haven't checked if that was injury or what. Um, 
So I will just write, read out the lineups for completeness. So it was Sarkic in goal, Cooper, Hutchinson, and Leonard as the three centre backs. Um, Wallace or Brian in either game at left wing back, and then Savile and Mitchell as the centre mids. Norton Cuffey, which is a bit of a funny name, as right wing back. Uh, and then Fleming either played up front or was like a false nine or like behind the two of Nisbet and Bradshaw, um, depending on the game. So there was a couple of other games where it differed slightly. Like I think um, there's a few few players. Maybe the Millwall game was it or the Bristol City game? Sorry. Yeah, in the and the game I watched, um, which was against Bristol, um, it was Joe Bryan who was playing at left wing back, and uh, Murray Wallace was left centre back. And yeah, he's also someone to look out for from deep because he is pretty good at carrying the ball. As said, he can play it with left wing back as well. So he's someone to watch out from. Make sure we're watching them for if they do get on the ball and possess the ball at the back. He will look to carry through our press, maybe. Yeah, I think, and then I think the only other player I've seen in lineups this year is Duncan Watmore, who's like he's a name that I feel like from his Sunderland days, but I don't know what sort of level he is at this time. Um, just had a look, and he's. He played three like three games, so nothing, nothing to shout home about. Maybe that's why he's on the bench now. Maybe, maybe. Um, cool. I think we've exhausted our knowledge of Millwall there, Martin. <laughs> so shall we move on to pretend to know about Leeds instead? Yes. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. First question as normal for the Leeds analysis. So how do we predict Leeds will set up in possession for this game, both structurally and tactically? Tactically, And what might they do specific to this game, if anything? I can't see it being much different to the game against Sheffield Wednesday, to be honest. Um, the two very similar teams. And we didn't see anything different from us in the Sheffield Wednesday game. So I would expect the way we approach the game tactically to be the same. We will still look to possess the ball. We will still look to move the ball slowly through the, final, through the thirds and trying to create chances um, with having good possession around the box and trying to thread the needle of passes through their low block and trying to prevent them from transitioning on us, which hopefully we can do as well with that part of it as we did against Wednesday. They didn't have too many chances. So if we can do this, do similar with Millwall, that should be good. It'll just be a matter of us breaking through their block and getting on goal ourselves. I guess my next question then would be, if you don't think the approach is going to be unchanged... Are you happy with that approach, considering the result against Wednesday? Yeah, I think I am. I think it's sort of thing that we need to work at and keep trying to break, really. Um, that will be a style of football that we play a lot, will be low-block low football. That is usually where a lot of teams are fond to coming against a team like us, who have got one of the best teams in the league. They will look to try to frustrate us, 
and so we need to get better at trying to break that down. And if the other team isn't looking to possess the ball, we have no choice but to possess the ball and try try to do it in that sort of way. So we just have to try to improve and get our team more cohesive and getting on the end of each other's passes and making the right runs at the right time, which I mentioned during the Sheffield Wednesday review is something which I think will come with more time. So I do think it is something that we need to keep at. Yep, I would completely agree with that for what it's worth. Right, next question then. So, well, same question again, but out of possession. Probably the same. Um, When they have the ball, we will look to press relatively high, but not overly aggressive like we have done in the past under Marsh and Bielsa. So uh, when they do have the ball, that'll be about the extent of it, really. Try to press in, in, in areas, win the ball back high up if we can. If not, sit back ourselves and wait for a moment to transition into counter-attacks, make use of the guys with pace which we have a number of. So that could be a good way of us getting through when they do possess the ball, is trying to hit them quickly. If they maybe do look to do something similar to what Sheffield Wednesday were doing in the first half in that game, they were trying to possess the ball a little bit more, and they were they were pressing themselves a little bit higher, so they were leaving some space. So it's possible that they do approach the game in that sort of way, and we need to take advantage of those moments when they do come, because that's one thing I felt that we didn't take advantage of against Wednesday was that the moments when we did have space to move into, uh, we didn't take advantage. The passes were slightly off or were to the wrong place and the player was making the wrong run and it just didn't really come off. So that's the sort of thing for me to really nail home to take advantage of the space. Yeah, I think with these long ball teams, the the only thing I'd add here is I, f- I think if they are they are going to play cross field passes, um, I would try and just press press them before that ball comes if possible try and cut it down early yes um and i think this might be a bit easier than sheffield wednesday in the fact that they don't have a massive target man um which i guess if they're playing those long balls you you can combat each if it's not a massive lump up front which i guess i think i was quite happy with how strauch and rodon dealt with that but um i think it just makes life easier in these games personally indeed Next question then, so is there a player, Martin, you can see having a big impact on the outcome of this game from Leeds, and as usual, this can be good or bad? I think we'll have to go with the striker and attacking midfielder, which will be most likely be Perot and Ruter. I think both those two and their partnership will be key in this. Um, we'll be wanting to ensure that Ruter is making good runs off the ball so other players can find them. We also want to make sure that Perot is finding the right moments to drop deep and also the right moments to get forward and join Lucer in the in the in the front line, because we will possess the ball most of the time. We won't want Perot to be dropping deep too much. And um, maybe when we are in more of the earlier stages of build up, and then when we have it around the final third, we should expect him to be joining Lucer and making it into a strike partnership rather than a nine and the ten, which is something that he was trying to trying to do at times. And if if those two can make that partnership pay off and get lots of runs in between the centre-backs, pull them apart, make space for each other, it could really do damage. So that's what what I want to see. Those are the players that I want to do well for us to, to win this game, basically. And I can't think of a, a, one, a bad player, because I would obviously, if I don't like saying it, but if Ailing was playing and if Zan Fleming was playing on the same side as Ailing, he could cause him problems. Um, I do. I think he was playing on the right for Millwall last time, so maybe we'll, we'll be saved from that if Ailing is playing. But I would maybe expect Spence to be starting in this game um, if he's had enough time to get to, up to a decent level, maybe do some intense training during the international break. So I would hope that that sh- should mean that he'll start, I, I hope. 
yeah, I, I had Spence as one of my players if he plays that I think could have a bit good impact on this game. Um, mainly because I think he's like he'll make us more secure on that side, but also the what he brings in possession as well. Um, completely agree on Piro as well. I would like to see him to get he, despite playing as a ten. I would like to see him to get more into those striking positions, which I don't think he really did against Wednesday. Um, so, but yeah, maybe like just a bit more time, two weeks off might help him do that. And then the other one, um, again, if he plays, I expect it would, is Somerville. Because I think in a FARC system, someone coming off that right-hand side can be the key to unlocking a low block. And yes. I think as he gets more comfortable with that role, sort of doesn't dribble into the traffic, traffic gets those weighted balls right into the box. I think when he gets more comfortable with that, he could really help us in these sort of games. So, yeah, I think those were the players for me. I don't think there was anyone else really that I could see I think there's, there's obviously like players like Nonto could have an impact. Will obviously have an impact on this game, but I think those were the ones for me that I thought were the ones I probably want to focus on the most. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with some with Somerville. He did do a couple of decent passes into the box um, against Wednesday, but I would like to see that more often and just make Wednesday's backline not Wednesday, sorry, make Millwall's backline um, sweat a bit more and put those sort of balls in, which will make them work and put good balls in which Perot or Ruter can attack. Let's have a prediction for the lineup then. So what are you expecting, Martin? I would expect um, Melier in goal. Um, I'm hoping to see Spence at right wing back and, and maybe that will, will be the one where it could be ailing. Um, I'm going to say it's, it's probably going to be ailing again, although it would be good if Spence was playing. And then centre-back, I would expect it to be Roden and Strauch again. And... Left back, it depends on the injuries of a couple of players because I'm not sure how long Byron's injury was for. And But I would probably say Shackleton will be the one who will start at left back. Then in midfield, it will most likely be Ampadu. And I'm going to say Camera. I'm going to say that he'll give him a start in this game um, over Gray because we don't want to overwork. Gray's played every game so far. And then in the attacking line, I would expect it to be the same attacking line that started against Wednesday. Somerville, Nonto, Perot, and Ruter. Yep, I would say uh, same on Ryback. Can't um, hope it's spent. Could probably see it being ailing. I think if Byram's fit, it will be Byram, and if not, it'll be Shackleton. Um, is Camera gone away on internationals? He did, did you... yes. Yeah, so I think that might be why I lean towards Gray for this one. Um, but there's also there's also a game against is there a game the game against Hulls the, the midweek after, isn't it? So that to me, maybe the one that's like more logical to bring someone in for. Um, because you're not going to see... Well, I'd hope you wouldn't see Gray play three in a row, <laughs> despite the fact that he has done that already. Um, but I think to rest... You it, would hope not. Now we have more options. We have two other players who can rotate in between that midfield. So you would hope um, that that will be the case. But obviously, we've also got um, Ampadu, who was on international duty as well. Uh, so he will have played games as well. So... But yes, I, I could well see Gray starting this and then Camera or Groove playing in the game against Hull. Yeah, and then the, I have a sneaky suspicion Dan James will come in if he's fit. And I think I think you probably agree with me on that one. If, you, if you've said yeah. in recent pods that I think he, he will probably be a favourite to start of Farker. Yeah, I would think if he is fit, he will start over Nonto. Um, I don't want to see that eventuality. I would much rather have Nonto on the pitch over, over James. Um, however, I just I've got a feeling that Fak does really like Dan James, and I think he will play a lot. But we'll soon see if that's the case. If he is fit, and if he does play, yeah. And then yeah, rest of the lineup 
there isn't really too much to discuss, really, is there? I think that's it's pretty much set in stone. Indeed. I, I didn't name Ampadu. My, I pretty much named half the team in our player focus section as well. But Ampadu, if he, I just <laughs> needed to do exactly what he did against Sheffield Wednesday in this game. Yeah, I would agree. Um, he was great in that game. Um, he was good off the ball, good on the ball. Um, yeah, just he's been my player of the season so far. To be honest with how reliable he's been, he's been fantastic. Yep, completely agree with that one. Let's have a think about this game then. Well, more generally, so what do you expect watching this game of football will look like, Martin? So it will look pretty much exactly like the Sheffield Wednesday game, um, possibly with us dominating the ball a little bit more, because um, I think Wednesday did try to possess the ball at times, so I think it may well be us having even more possession than what Sheffield Wednesday, sorry, what we had against Sheffield Wednesday. And so we'll be trying to break down their low block, they'll be trying to hit us on the counter-attack, um, rinse and repeat. That will be the story of the game, in my opinion. Yep. Again, completely agreeing here. I just I think it'll look very similar to the um, to the Sheffield Wednesday game. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. Potentially them just that Mill probably like it might look a bit different in the way Millwall attack, as we've hinted at already. So, but to me, I'm thinking that we might see less threat from Millwall than I felt like we we got from Wednesday. Um, but yeah, I think it's because they just they, they play like out of possession the same but I think their in possession stuff what they attempt is slightly different and I'm hoping that will be more in our favour potentially. Yeah hopefully. Then the question that we always finish with where do you think this game will be won or lost Martin? It'll be won um, if we score first. I think if we score first that that will probably open the floodgates and we could see a few goals coming. However if get, as the game wears on and if we haven't scored um, it becomes more likely that Millwall will score and catch us when we are committing more men forward. So I just want us to get a goal and go ahead for once. That would be nice. It's not too much to ask, I don't think, uh, just to score a goal in the first half without them scoring first. That would be good. So yes, if we can avoid giving away any own goals like we did against Ipswich and just do better at our chances and put them away early, that would be nice so we're not sweating too late on. Yeah, I think for me it's the same. If we, if our attacking play is on it, then we'll be fine. And if it's not, then I think it's going to, like like I've said a couple of times already, it'll look very similar to Sheffield Wednesday. Uh, um, I'm hoping with two weeks that we'll look a little bit more together, but I think it might just be a bit bit more match play over the time. That's, that's all it's going to take. And you just got to hope that when it clicks, it will probably be fine. And I just hope we yeah. see it click sooner rather than later. Yeah, like, like I've said already as well, I don't think their out of possession worries me. Their in possession stuff worries me too much, but I'm not going to go as bold as I did for the Sheffield Wednesday preview. Uh, but I think we should. I'm not again too worried about losing. I'll say I won't be worried too worried about losing this one. I'll rein it in a bit. But yeah, if we can attack well and create chances, I'm hopeful we'll be we'll, we'll get a good result here. And at the end of the day, it is Millwall away, and anything can happen in that fixture. So <laughs> it's its own special beast. <laughs> Indeed, it is. No, you don't, no one likes going to the, to the den, just like no one likes coming to Ellen Road. Yeah, that is true. It's one of. The, I think uh, I remember Phil Hay saying once like he oh, he's obviously been to Millwall away with Leeds quite a few times, and it's like absolutely mad. And he said he's been to a Millwall home game when it's not Leeds, and it's like pretty calm. So like, yeah, it's just like Millwall Leeds is just one of those things. It's always bloody mental when uh, we play at Ellen Road. Like I think I've seen like a three two and a four three, and maybe another four three before that as well yeah it does generate a, a lot of fun um, whether it's um, fights with the crowd or lots of fun goals or shit defending um, all, 
everything you can hope for in a championship game generally happens in a Millwall against Leeds. So anything we say here could go straight out the window because anything can happen in football. Leeds can be free to, basically. Yeah. <laughs> Potentially, yes. Potentially, yes. We'll leave it there then. I think that's a good place to end the, uh, the preview. I'll just do a little Patreon plug. So we have just released a State of the Squad pod last week, or maybe last last couple of days anyway, where we discussed what the squad looks like after the closure of the transfer window, which I was very impre- I was very happy with, and I know I'm like beginners up here, but I think we did a really good job on that one, and it's definitely worth a listen. Um, I agree. And we are hoping to get an under twenty ones pod out this month as well. So I think that's you and. Dan are going to look at that, aren't you, Martin? Do a bit of a yes. preview of the, the new under-21s format, which is a bit mental, and like some of the players to look out for. Is that right? Yes, we're going to try to get that done. Um, hopefully recorded on Thursday this week, I think. Um, but I wouldn't set that in stone yet. It depends if we can manage to get some games watched. It's been tough to source the games, because not all of them are on LUTV to watch, unfortunately. So it can be tough to find them. Yeah, but um, if that sounds like something you'd be interested in or the state of the squads pod or any of the other articles that we've put on well i say we martin has put on there um over the summer then head over to patreon.com forward slash asaw patreon um we will be back next monday or tuesday it's a bit of a weird it's it's, it's the first midweek championship week next week so we need to work out how we're actually going to deal with it all um with availability and the quick return around the games from Sunday to Wednesday and then back to Saturday. Saturday half twelve as well. It's like that's yeah. literally as brutal as it gets, isn't it? Um so we will be back at least once next week, probably twice, maybe even three times if you're lucky. Um to to discuss all the football that's happening. But until then I will say thank you to Martin. Thank you too Tom. And thank you very much for listening. Bye. Serves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. 
No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.